Just want to make sure everybody knows here in this room and those of you who are joining us online that here at Lakeview Church, we are an everyday church for everyday people. And we are striving to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference every single day. And, and I just want everybody to know, again, whether you're here in this room or whether you're joining us online, that we as a community recognize that not a single person in this community has it all figured out. We haven't arrived, we haven't gotten all the boxes checked, and we're, we're all on a journey. Some of us are farther along than others, but, but we're all on the same journey, and we're in it together. Amen? We are, we are moving forward in this journey, and, and the reality is, is that part of what we're really committed to as a church is being a next step community. We want to make sure that everybody recognizes that we all have room to grow. And in order to grow, we have to take next steps. And so, so some of you took your next step by coming to church today. It was like, I've never been, this is a first time experience for me. And, and you took a, a next step and you came. Some of you have been coming and you're part of this larger gathering and your next step is to join a small group. Some of you have made commitments to Christ recently and you've never been baptized and for you that next step is to be baptized. There are all kinds of different next steps, whether it's joining the dream team or plugging into a small group or getting baptized or beginning to share your faith. There are lots of next steps and here at Lakeview Church, we just wanna help you take the next step and here's why. Because we know that the most important step in your journey is the next one. God is just inviting all of us just to take a next step. And so we want to invite you to find your home here in this community and take next steps with us. And we just want you to know we're all in this together and we're here for you as you join us on this journey. Now, we've been in this series called Conversations with Jesus, and this is actually our third week in this series. And we started this series a couple of weeks ago by talking about a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader under the cover of night. Remember, Nicodemus was afraid about what he was going to talk to Jesus about, so he waits until it's dark, and he finds Jesus, and they have a conversation. And Jesus talks to him about what it means to be born again. Last week, we talked about the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. Remember, she was Samaritan, and Jesus was a Jew, and so they shouldn't be talking, and he was a man, and she was a woman, and they weren't related, so they shouldn't be talking, and, and she was a woman who, who really, in many ways, was a social outcast because of so many life decisions she had made and the current situation of her life, and that's why she was at the well in the middle of the day and not in the morning when everyone else would be there, and Jesus erases all of the lines that would keep her out of a conversation and he invites her in and they talk and it's life-changing. And at the end of the story, remember how the woman becomes this magnet. She goes to the village and she's attracting everyone to come meet Jesus and discover who he is. Well, today we're in the third week of this series and I've entitled this message, Life-Giving Bread. It's a conversation that we're gonna look at today between Jesus and a crowd of people all of the conversations so far have been Jesus with one person, but today we're going to talk about a conversation Jesus has with a crowd of people. The story is found in John 
chapter six. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. While you're turning there, I want to kind of give you the backdrop of the verses that we're going to read from John chapter six, the backdrop for the actual conversation. Just before this conversation occurs, like the day before, Jesus is, is with a crowd of people and we know that there are 5,000 of them, though it was very common in that day to only count the men in the crowd. So it's very possible that the crowd was larger than 5,000 when you include women and children. And we know children were there because there's a young boy who was the only one in the whole crowd smart enough to bring his lunch with him. A child shall lead them right? Nobody else thought to bring food, but this little boy brought his food. He was either smart or his mom was on it, right? She said, you better take your lunch with you. And, and so he took his lunch with him. And, and now they've got a crowd of people around Jesus and he's been teaching them and they're hungry. Some of you are getting hungry right now just thinking about it, right? That is almost time for lunch. And Jesus has this crowd of people and they are hungry. And, and he looks at his disciples and says, what are we going to feed them? And the disciples do not know. They did not make a plan. They did not have an event planner among the disciples who was taking care of all the guests at this event. And so they got to feed them. And so one disciple says, well, we don't have a plan, but, but this little boy's got lunch. Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, that'll work. Have everybody sit down. And Jesus takes this lunch and he blesses it and he gives it to his disciples and he tells them, just give everybody food. And this little boy's lunch multiplies and the whole crowd is fed. In fact, they get everything that they want to eat. And then Jesus says to his disciples, go pick up the leftovers because we don't want anything to be wasted. And they go out and they pick up all the leftovers. Remember, we're talking about five little loaves and two fish. And they fed 5,000 men plus all of the women plus all of the children. And they're getting leftovers now. In fact, 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The crowd is enamored with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you be? I mean, this guy just took a little boy's lunch and fed the entire group. And there's leftovers. This is a miracle. And they saw it with their own eyes and they feel it in their full stomachs. They, they have been ministered to by Jesus and they're enamored with him and they're kind of pressing in on him. And so what Jesus does is what he often does. He leaves. It's, it's really quite fascinating. Jesus doesn't post on Instagram, hey guys, 12 basketfuls left over, come on out, let's make the crowd bigger. Jesus is often not concerned with making the crowd bigger. He oftentimes withdraws from the crowd when they're pressing in on him to go and be with his father. So he goes up on to this mountain and he prays to his father and his disciples leave. They get in a boat and they're going across the lake to the other side. And so Jesus is up in the mountain, the disciples are gone, and the crowd is left in the middle. And they're like, where is Jesus? We want to hang out with Jesus. We want more of Jesus. They didn't really want more of Jesus. They just wanted more of the cool stuff that Jesus did. 
And so the night goes on. The disciples are out on the lake. They're going across the lake in the boat. And the Bible says that this gale force wind kind of comes down on them and the seas got rough. And it's right at that moment that Jesus has left the mountain and he is now walking out on the water to the boat as you do if you're Jesus, right? It's like the boat left without me and you just walk to it, right? That's just what you do if you're Jesus. And so Jesus is walking on the stormy waters to get to the boat and the disciples are anxious for him to get in the boat. They're like, come on, Jesus, get in. The waves are high. Come on, get in and keep us safe, right? And then, and then this is an odd verse in John chapter six, I think, where it says he got in the boat and immediately they were at their destination. Like, is that like warp speed? Or I just don't, like I read it and I'm just fascinated. Like, I wish I could be there. Like what happened in that moment? Jesus gets in the boat and then they're just there. That would be cool, wouldn't it? You could just be there. Like Bishop Colombo is going to get on a plane for a short little plane ride back to Zambia. Wouldn't it be cool if you could just be there, just like that, just instantly? And that seems to be what happened here. He gets in the boat and they're at their destination. But there's still a crowd. There's still a crowd back in the place where the miracle had been performed and they're looking for Jesus. In fact, the next day rolls around and they're like, where is Jesus? And they realize that he likely is with his disciples, though they don't know how he got there because they saw the boat leave and Jesus wasn't in the boat. They thought he went this way up into the mountain, but we can't find him anywhere. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter six, beginning in verse 25. This is what it says. They found him on the other side of the lake. And they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I'm, let me just read that verse again because I want you to hear what they're saying to Jesus. The people who were just fed by him yesterday at a, at a miraculous lunch. This is what they're saying. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. 
However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to dig into this conversation just for the next few minutes here, but I want to just pray first and ask the Lord to speak to us. So let's pray together. God, we come before you right now in this moment, and we're just asking you to open our hearts and our ears and our minds that we might hear your voice in these moments. God, this conversation that happened so long ago, would you use it today to have a conversation with each one of us in this room? And for how you use this time, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this passage of scripture, I think there are three questions that Jesus is trying to get at in this conversation. I wanna just walk you through them very quickly over these next few minutes. The first question I think Jesus is asking these people is, what has your attention? What has your attention? I think this is a pertinent question for us today. As we go through life, what has our attention? These people show up and they're like, Jesus, when did you get here? We've been looking all over for you. We've been wondering where you were and you went ahead of us and you got here and didn't you know we wanted to be with you? And I love how Jesus doesn't answer their question. He doesn't say, oh, I got here at you know 10 o'clock or... He doesn't even, he just like glazes over, doesn't even respond to it. He just cuts right to the heart of the issue. He just goes right after the real issue in their lives. He cuts to the chase. And he says, let me tell you something. You're only here because I fed you. And this is actually true. Because later on, they're going to say, hey, don't you remember our ancestors? They got bread every day from Moses. Aren't you our Moses? You fed us yesterday. Can you feed us again today? You got 12 basketfuls of leftovers and you didn't want anything to go to waste. Can we get some more food for free from you, Jesus? And a little bit later, they're going to actually say, can you give us this bread every day? They are actually focused on their own self in this moment. When, when, when Jesus is asking them, what has your attention? He already knows what has their attention. And it is not the purposes of God. It's not the will of God and the way of God. What has their attention is their own lives. They just want to have and possess and consume. They just want to get fed. And I like food too. Don't get me wrong, but, but that, that's all they care about is getting more food. They got fed for free yesterday and they're following Jesus now, not because Jesus is worth following, but because Jesus has become for them kind of like a genie in a bottle. That we can just rub the bottle and then make a wish and we got food now. Our needs are met and they are just focused on their self. 
And Jesus says, that's not a good thing to put your attention on. Look, if you will, at verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. See, Jesus is saying there's two ways to view this situation. He's saying, yesterday I fed you. I took that little boy's lunch and I multiplied it and I fed you because I wanted you to understand that God is among you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the words that I'm speaking are the very words of God. And God has people that he wants to invite into his kingdom, people that he wants to give to me, Jesus says, who I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept and I'm gonna care for and I'm gonna love and I'm gonna nurture and I'm not gonna let any of them fall. I'm gonna hold them all in my hand and help them become everything that God intends for them to be. That's the purpose of God. But Jesus is saying, you're not even thinking about that. Right now, all you're thinking about is, are we getting another meal for free? No, that's right. That's exactly right. No, we're not getting another meal for free. That's the question Jesus is asking. What has your attention? And why this is a pertinent question is because particularly in North America, we live in a culture that says the only thing that matters is yourself. Right, You hear it in our culture, you do you. And the, the assumption behind that phrase is that you are the only person that matters in this equation. And so you just do whatever you wanna do. Do whatever makes sense to you. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whatever makes you happy. And we go through life and if all of our attention is focused on self, we are gonna miss out on the greater things that God has for each and every one of us because God is actually trying to elevate our vision off of ourself and onto the greater things that God is trying to do in this world. So I ask you today, what has your attention? Are you more focused on yourself or are you really trying to discover and discern what does God have in mind for my life? And how can I be of service to him? What has your attention? The second question in this passage is what kind of life are you living? What kind of life are you living? And Jesus addresses this question in verse 27. And this is what he says. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. And we're going to just stop there because, again, Jesus is getting right after it. He's saying, I know what kind of life you're living. You are focused on temporary things that fade away, that won't last, and that are perishing. And he's telling them, don't be concerned about that. There are more important things for you to be concerned about. Are you living a life that is only focused on things that are here today and gone tomorrow? Because if that's the focus of your life, it's going to be unfulfilling and it is going to lack satisfaction. You will not be fulfilled in life if you're thinking and focused on the perishable things. And by the way, this is the way we live in our culture this is what the world tells you, right? Get more money, buy more stuff, right? Marketing is a whole entire industry designed to get you to buy things that you do not need. 
and to make you think that if you own that thing that's in that commercial, you're gonna look like that person in that commercial and you are not. You will not be that person, I promise you. And, and even, if you, even if you look like that person who's been photoshopped and made to look more beautiful than they really are, if you're gonna look like that person, just owning that product will not give you the satisfaction that it seems like that commercial is promising you. I guarantee you that. Because everything in those commercials is temporary. It is temporary, it is passing away, it is fleeting, it is fading from the face of this earth. It will not last and it will not give you life. It's perishable stuff like food. And this is what our culture is built on, right? There is planned obsolescence. This is a term that you might be familiar with if you really dig into marketing. It's this, the, the way that industries are built is to plan for things to wear out. You know why? Because they need you to buy more. So they need the thing that you're using, the thing that, you're, that, that, that you depend on, they need it to fail so that you can go buy the new and improved version for just a little bit more money than you paid for the last one. It's planned obsolescence. And then, and then there's perceived obsolescence when the thing you have just works perfect. It still works just fine. They just want you to believe that that's old. And what kind of dorky person would be caught with that? You need a new one so you can be one of the cool kids. This is what our culture teaches us. And they sell us things that are temporary, that are fading away, that are not going to last. And all of those things we run after because we believe that they hold the secret to true life. And you see this all across our culture. We can look at people who have status, they have position, they have power, they have stuff and money and they have fame and fortune. They have all the things that we could look at. We can look at professional athletes. We could look at politicians. We could look at people in Hollywood. We could pick different segments of society, corporate America. And we could look at all of these people who seem to have everything at their disposal and yet, when you dig in and you start exploring their lives, do they have real, lasting, and whole life? No, so many of those people who seem to have everything at their disposal, their lives, when you really dig in, are falling apart at the seams. Marriages don't last, and, and they're pursuing the next high, and literally are wasting their lives with substance abuse and, and, and doing things that they shouldn't do, foolish things. Why? Because they got all the stuff, but they didn't get the life they thought it was going to give them. So they go to the next thing, and then they go to the next thing, and they go to the next thing, and they wear out looking for life. And the reason they wear out looking for life is because they're looking for it in all the wrong places. They're looking at it in the places that are perishable. Things that are fading away, things that won't last, things that won't endure. This is why Jesus says in verse 27, the next part of this verse, he says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of God can give you. 
Now this phrase eternal life, we often hear it and we think it means life after death and, and it certainly contains that kind of life, but it's a bigger phrase than that. It actually means life that is true and real and whole and full that lasts forever. In other words, you don't have to wait till you die to get it. You can get it now and it's going to last for all of eternity. It's actually better translated as the life of the ages. And it carries the idea that it is life that is better than any other kind of life. Now, our world will tell you that life is only found in the stuff that you can have or possess or consume, the status, the position, the power, the fame, the fortune. That's what the world tells you. But Jesus says there's a different kind of life that's available, and it's available to every single person on this planet. It's life of the ages. It's the eternal, everlasting life that God has made available to every person through his son, Jesus Christ. This is why God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everybody who believes in him would not perish, but would have this kind of life, true life. And I'm telling you, you can waste the rest of your life looking for life in all of those perishable things, or you can recognize that your journey to life ends in the person of Jesus because he's the only one who has the life that you're looking for. And so Jesus is asking this question, what kind of life are you living? Are you living a life that's wrapped up in the temporary, perishable, fading away things of this earth? Or are you living the kind of life that is centered on Jesus Christ, a life that's rooted in forgiveness of sins and being made right with God, a life that has the spirit of God inside of you, helping you become everything God wants you to be? And are you partnering with God in his mission to bring his life to every corner of this globe? What kind of life are you living? And then there's a third question that I think Jesus talks about in this passage. And it's this question about what is your response to Jesus? I love how the crowd says, well, Moses gave us bread every day, right? They're thinking back to, to the Old Testament, right? When, when the children of God were out in the wilderness and, and they needed food to eat and God, God literally made bread come down from heaven. It was called manna and it would cover the ground and people would go out and gather their bread for the day and, then, and they only had enough bread for that day. They couldn't save up for the whole week. They just had to gather enough because if they gathered more than they needed, it would spoil, and so, so then they'd have to go out the next day and there'd be bread there for them. And so they're pointing back and they're saying, hey, Jesus, we, you fed us yesterday. It's a new day. You should feed us again because Moses did that. And Jesus says, correction, Moses didn't do anything. That bread came from my father. And now there's a bread that's available to every human being. And by the way, Jesus says, I'm the true bread. You think that manna coming down from heaven was pretty cool? I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus says, I'm the true bread. And, and when you receive this bread, it will give you life. He goes on to say, I am the bread of life. And he invites people to actually 
believe in him and to receive this bread because when you receive this bread, he says, it's gonna give you life. You'll live forever. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. Your life will be satisfied. You'll have everything you've ever wanted because you're gonna have the life that God wants you to have. And so the question Jesus is asking at the end of this passage is what's your response? Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you put your trust in him for the life that he wants you to have? This is what it's all about. What is your response to Jesus? And I'm telling you, you can forget about Jesus and walk out of here and keep looking for life in all those places, but I can save you so much time and so much heartache if you just look to Jesus to be the answer that you're searching for today. As a community of people, we have found that Jesus Christ is the answer. And he invites each and every one of us to just put our faith and our trust in him. And when we do, he forgives our sins. He takes all the, the, the choices of our life that didn't line up with God's plan for us and he just wipes them away. Second Corinthians five says, he makes us a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And he shapes and he forms us and he makes us to become the very people that he originally intends for us to be. This is the plan that God has for each and every one of us. And you might be wondering, how do I respond to Jesus? How do I, how do I decide that I want this bread today? It's really very simple. Romans chapter 10 verses nine and 10 says, you gotta believe in your heart. You gotta actually put your faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And you gotta confess with your mouth. You have to actually make a commitment to say, it's not just something inside of me, but I am actually committing myself to follow Jesus. I'm making a covenant. I'm making a promise that for the rest of my life, I'm gonna believe in the work of Jesus in my heart and I'm gonna follow him for the rest of my days. And when that happens, Romans 10 says, we are made right with God where we were out of line with God, we were going our own direction and God's wanting us to go another direction. What happens when we believe and confess, God just lines it up and we're made right with God again, brought back into a relationship with him. And it's in that relationship that God gives us his spirit, makes us his children and begins to show us the way that we're supposed to go. And we find life. And so this morning, I wanna give everybody in this room an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And you might be here this morning thinking to yourself, how do I know if this is the moment? Well, Revelation chapter three says that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. And if you're feeling in your heart right now, I think, I think he, he's, he's knocking on the door of my heart. He wants me to respond. Jesus says, if you just open the door and let him in, he's gonna come in and enter into a relationship with you. And so this morning, what I wanna invite us to do is just everybody in this room, bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around because I want everybody to have just a moment to consider your response to Jesus. Because we can go through our life and we can be focused on self rather than God. We can go through life being focused on things that are passing away, things that are perishable, things that aren't gonna last. We can go through life ignoring Jesus or we can go through life following Jesus. The response, the choice, the decision is up to you. 
And so this morning, if you're here and you say, you know what, I believe God's knocking on the door of my heart and today I wanna receive the bread of life into my heart. I wanna believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I wanna make a commitment today to follow him for the rest of my life. If you're here today and that's the decision that you wanna make, I just want you right where you're at. I promise I won't embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. You'll have a time in the future where you can go public with your faith. This is a private moment between you and the Lord. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I wanna follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I just want you to raise your hand and I want you just to hold it high so I can see it. I wanna pray for you. Yeah, I see that hand. 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 Anybody else? For those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And I just invite you right where you're at to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud if you choose to do so but you can also just pray it silently in your heart. But I want you just to pray along with me. God, I thank you that you are the bread of life. And that God, what I've been looking for in all of these other places, I can now find it in you. And God, today I invite you into my heart and life I confess that I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need you to make me into a new person. Make me into a new creation. Give me a fresh start. And God, help me from this day forward to follow you with everything that is within me. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me life in this moment. Life that will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lakeview Church, I know you're gonna wanna celebrate that six people just gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. So let's, let's praise the Lord. Now, if you're here and you just raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I just want to let you know we want to walk with you. And so if, if you've done that or if you're one of the eight people that's done that in the last two weeks, uh, we have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible for you at our Welcome Center. We've got a bookmark in there that gives you just a, a simple reading plan that you can begin reading with us in the Bible. We want to encourage you to do that. We'd love for you to plug into a discipleship group so that you can begin to take the first steps. And those groups are actually meeting on Wednesday night and you can join one this Wednesday night. So we want to encourage you to do that. And uh, we just want to know that you are welcome in the family of God and we are so glad that you have made this decision and we wanna walk with you uh, in this journey. So my brothers and sisters, as we bring this service to a close this morning, we're celebrating the fact that God is at work among us. 14 people in the last three weeks have made commitments to Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's worth a round of applause. God is working among us. 
and we want that to continue. So as we bring this service to a close, I wanna share some words of blessing with you and send you out. So I wanna invite you to stand. I'm gonna ask our special guests to take their place at that table at the left side of our lobby back here because you're gonna wanna greet them after this service is over. So we're gonna let them move back there. And then I wanna just share words of blessing upon you as you go from this place. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he smile down on your life and may he protect you. And may you find that day by day and moment by moment, you are living in the peace that only he can provide. So my brothers and sisters, go with that blessing in your ears and on your hearts as you go from this place, you are sent out.